405-351-3439. Hit the guys up on the Riverwind Casino calling line at 405-329-9000. Now, with your Friday rush, here's Tyler McComas and Travis Davidson. We really like the, the maturity of the team right now, like the leadership. Really, again, incredibly uh, impressed by uh, the focus and the attitude of our players last weekend, uh, going on the road for the first time and having to play at 11 a.m. logistically. It's not ideal, um, but our guys handled it uh, terrifically. Um, our coaches and uh, support staff that helped keep us organized and detailed uh, for the first time getting out really pleased uh, with uh, everybody's effort. Our guys are playing hard right now. I'm far from perfect coaching and playing as we continue to figure each other out. And uh, But I really like um, the attitude and the hunger for improvement and the work that goes along with playing at a high level. Our guys have not uh, been naive whatsoever. Um, they're willing to uh, put the work in and pay the price, you know, uh, to be successful, uh, that you have to, you got to pay a price. You know, it doesn't just continue to happen. And um, we're gonna, uh, the schedule gets more difficult. You know, moving forward, starting with Kansas State. You know, this week. Um, but I really am pleased with um, again the improvements that we've made, and and hopefully we'll continue to be committed. There you go, Brent Venables from his press conference on Tuesday. Yeah, text line is still the Friday rush, even on Wednesday. Every day is Friday when uh, Travis and I are on. Hey, are we uh, are, are we good? Are we we past this whole Mike Gundy situation since we've been talking about it all day long? I I guess like now here's your final opportunity text line to get in your hot takes about what Mike Gundy said last night 405-651-3439. But if like if the if the text line's done with it then I'm ready to kind of move on from it. I, yep, I moved on uh, from it several months ago. Yep, I wish I had a, a big notepad full of notes here to tell you that we should get over it. But <laughs> nope, it's just me and my me and my computer and the radio setup saying, yeah, let's move on. No hard feelings, but let me go on a two-minute tirade of uh, how selfish <laughs> OU is during all of this. Yeah, interesting uh, comments from old Mike Gundy last night. So Brent Venables mentioned there that the, the games, the schedule – is about to get tougher, and I do agree with him, but at the same time, I'm wondering if our thoughts on the overall strength of OU's schedule has changed based on what we thought it was going to be before the year. Like, Travis, I thought the Nebraska game was going to be one of the three toughest games that OU played this year. Obviously, it looks drastically wrong that that's going to be the hey, case. Hey, maybe yeah. it is. Maybe it is. <laughs> maybe, maybe so. You don't know that. I that, mean, that would be a great maybe sign. just run roughshod over everybody, and Nebraska is one of the two. You know, it's an outside chance, but your your prediction is still alive. So, I mean, does this does this strength of schedule look more difficult, less difficult than we thought it would going to be? Like, what's the remaining nine games look like from here on out? I think a lot of it moves with, um, Baylor, really. And I know they were out, their wide receivers against BYU, so a lot of people are putting a lot of stock in that loss to BYU. But um, I, I think I think my assumption, and when we were talking about it preseason, was that Baylor was going to be our toughest game. Um, 
I, I'm not sure I believe that anymore. So if you couple that with Kansas State kind of dropping the ball against Tulane, I thought they would come into Norman undefeated. I thought that would be a ranked matchup. Uh, yeah, I mean, you could say it's a little bit easier, but what you didn't account for was Rock Chalk Jayhawk taking over the country and being, uh, you know, who knows? Maybe they may be ranked when we play them. We might get a ranked win that we would not have seen coming. When you look at strength of schedule, and we talked about this when Texas was playing Alabama, everybody's saying, well, we got to root for Texas to help our strength of schedule. We got to root for the Longhorns. We got to say hook them and all that, right, guys? No. No, we do not. As long as we take care of business, we'll be fine. We're, we'll, we'll be ranked. If we keep winning, the rankings will take care of themselves. Also, I thought we'd have, you know, two or three ranked teams on our schedule. Two, definitely, with OSU and Baylor. Three, I thought was going to be Kansas State. I did not in a million years consider that Kansas might be that third-ranked team. Yeah, um, what does the, the overall strength of the schedule look like compared to what we thought it was going to be in the offseason? I, I don't know if it's changed much. Like, my thoughts on the teams – have changed pretty significantly. Like the the Baylor, like Baylor doesn't look like the team that I thought that they were going to be. Now, not not just because they, they lost that one game to BYU, and they they've got a chance to change that certainly offensively. But I got to see more out of Baylor uh, up to this point. But maybe Tech is a little bit better than I, what I thought that they were going to be. Maybe Iowa State is a little bit better than what I thought that they were going to be. You got both of those games on the road. I don't think we know anything about Oklahoma State up to this point. I mean, they played a close game with Arizona State in the fourth quarter, and Herm got fired about, what, 10, 11 days later. So I don't think we know a whole lot about OSU yet. I I think that this schedule, for the most part, though the teams have changed a little bit, it's the same strength of schedule that we probably thought it was going to be. It's it's still a very manageable schedule. And in terms of the college football playoff contenders that are out there, OU probably has one of the more manageable schedules out of anyone. Yeah, yeah, I think they do. And what will be interesting to see is what we've seen so far. It's you're not letting teams back in the game late in the second half. So you kind of just have to kind of regroup and and change your thought process on on all of the opponents, right? I mean, you look at a team like we just talked about with Baylor and – I mean, we were not able to solve their defense, so we lost. Well, Baylor's not exactly an explosive offensive team, but we made them, we made them look like it. We at least let them score a little bit. I don't think Baylor is going to be able to score on us. Um, yeah, oh, man, Blake Shapin. Got to show me a little bit more throwing the ball down the field. And again, they got time to do that. Maybe they will, but there's not a whole lot of. I mean, forget just Baylor, and we've been saying that with Kansas State. What offense up to this point does really scare you? I mean, we know Texas has some ability, but zero wide receivers for them have caught a touchdown pass this year. Like, seeming there's not a whole lot of offenses left on the schedule this year to where you say like, "Wow, this is going to be a really, really difficult task for this defense." Yeah, I mean. I think that of all the things that Nebraska game didn't show us, Nebraska has scored points this year. Nebraska has the number two running back in the country. I mean, he was averaging 140-something a game before he played us, and we only allowed him to run for 36 yards. So we shut that down. But he was scoring on other people. We're still in the part of the year where, oh, well, OU hasn't played anybody. Oh, well, I mean, Nebraska had a good offense. Well, Nebraska didn't play anybody. Like, 
nobody's played anybody. Like, we're a quarter through the season. We played somebody. Like, there are teams out there that are playing against us. So, yeah, it's, I don't know, it's it's funny. Did you hear the, I know I'm going back to Kansas State here, but did you see? Did you hear the reporter ask um, Adrian Martinez if he was scared to throw the ball downfield? No, I did not. That is an unbelievable question. Was what was like, the response was like, to it? Are you, uh, you know, do you have, is there a fear in throwing the ball downfield? He's like, well, no, not for me. I mean, no, not at all. I just, wow, you know, he handled that just well. in the offense. And I was like, <laughs> like it was. I was like, oh my god, that's that's right up there with the uh, South Carolina after they got demolished by Georgia, which Georgia does to basically everybody. And he goes, well, uh, you know, what, what kind of doubt is in the locker room? I think that's what he said, right? Or no, the quit. What's the quit in the locker room? Are you room? worried about the quit in the locker room? Are you worried about the quit in the locker room? Hell no. Be- what Beamer's kind of question like, is that, Phil? We've got a ton yeah. of fighters in that <laughs> locker room. Yeah. I was like, geez, so brutal. Yeah, well, that's that's a heck of a question. Uh, I don't see Kansas State throwing the ball a whole lot down the field on Saturday. Uh, they are gonna. We, we haven't even heard a corner's name called, I don't feel. No, no. That's, that's, that's a good sign. Yeah, it's a very good sign. I just – K-State better control the time of possession, man. But but if, if I were to ask you, like, this is still a capable football team. Like, Kansas State is not, and I hope we're not making it sound like this. Like, you and I are both confident in what the final score is going to be, but I still do recognize that Kansas State's a good football team. Like, what's the one thing or the multiple things or however many things? Like, what are you worried about from Kansas State this weekend? Like, what do they do really well that you're concerned with? I'm worried about Deuce Vaughn, and that's it. That's it. The only thing you're worried like, about is Deuce that Vaughn. Is, that is absolutely it. Um, you know, they've got some talent along the defensive line. I get it. Uh, they're always scrappy and creative on special teams. I get it. Um, but Deuce Vaughn, I reached out to Pat Fields um, yesterday, and I asked, I said, what what advice would you give? Because he was tasked last year with covering Deuce Vaughn when he, when he came out of the backfield on routes. And I said, what advice would you give any defender going up against Deuce Vaughn? And he just said, good luck. Like, because he, he presents such a matchup nightmare with his speed, with his – he's got impressive power in that kind of small, stout frame. Um, and you can hide him and run different stuff. I mean, he's, he's, he's a challenge for sure. So, so I think that's the only thing that concerns me. I, and it's not like I'm shaking in my – Shaking in my tennis shoes out here at uh, Flamingo Fish Marine. Either. Yeah, I, I, look, I, I'm concerned about Deuce Vaughn. I'm, I'm concerned about Deuce Vaughn way more in the passing game than I am in the running game. Like last year, I feel like he was way more of a factor in screens and kind of the short stuff. Like I, I'm more afraid when they dial stuff up and get him in the open field with the ball in his hands compared to you know lining up in the backfield, turning and handing. But I am concerned about their defensive line. Am I way more optimistic today than last week about OU's offensive line? Sure, but this K-State defensive line, they're they're good, man. They they have the uh, preseason All-Big 12 Defensive Player of the Year on their side. If if they're going to win or keep this close, they're going to have to dominate. I think they know that. Um, I I, I think their D-line's really good, man. I think it'll be one of the better ones you face all year. Yeah, yeah, that's – we don't exactly have murderers row this year from defensive lines, though. So, no. although it it may be one of the best we face all year, I think I think we're certainly up to the task. Yeah, and hey, in case you missed it, Paul Feinbaum uh, he said something interesting today 
via the Bedlam game, I guess on his radio show. For those of you that didn't hear it, Paul Feinbaum said, quotes, we're talking about Stillwater, Oklahoma. Mike Gundy hasn't said anything significant since I'm 40, I'm a man. What he said yesterday was nonsensical. Oklahoma is moving on. They're going to be playing Alabama. They'll still be playing Texas. They'll be playing A&M in Georgia. This is a nice little game in a small state, but the rest of the country is giving it a big yawn this morning, end quote. He did uh, miss the quote, I'm 40, I'm a man. Flip that around there, Paul. It's I'm a man, I'm 40. You All almost right, I mean, got it. You know, Paul's getting up there a little uh, long in the tooth as well, so we can't hold him crazy uh, accountable. There was somebody on Twitter that pointed out um, to me that Feinbaum, he's far from a Sooner hater. He says crazy stuff about Saban and Alabama, too. He recently said the day OU joins the SEC, they're the third best program in the conference. You know, it's it, it, behind Alabama, but and then Georgia's fresh off a national title. And obviously, then it's Oklahoma. I mean, a lot of people, I get all the, oh, man, you have fun losing five games a year in the SEC. To who? Appalachian State just beat A&M. I think we could handle them. I mean, you're, you're, you're getting into Arkansas, just got into a, a dogfight with an FCS team, and they're the worst the worst receiving, worst pass defense in the country. Like, that's that's the crazy thing to me is the, the, the SEC is very good at the top. Not not that great the rest of the way. No, I mean it's it's always been a, a a bit of a farce, man. Like Florida right now, they're struggling offensively. I mean, the really, quarterback it, hasn't thrown a touchdown. Yeah, South Carolina's not very good. Missouri is god awful. They got hammered by Kansas State a couple weeks ago. I mean, like we, forty we, to six, maybe. We don't need to go up and down the league. You get the point. But LSU did lose to Florida State. A and M did lose to App State. It's it's a little bit overvalued. Like the SEC will be a different challenge, yes, but you're not going to be playing a top ten team every single week. And hey, maybe you'll be like Alabama and get hooked up by the uh, scheduling committee every single year because the uh, SEC schedule for 2023 was released. And guess what? Uh, Alabama got the easiest schedule again out of anybody in the conference and no Alabama and Georgia once again next season. Weird. Alabama and Georgia again dodge each other. I'll tell you what, though, you got to look at the – uh, look at that November slate they've always got. I just looked up uh, November 19th, you know, while everybody else is in their big rivalry games, everything like that. Texas A&M plays UMass. Mississippi State plays Eastern Tennessee State. Missouri plays New Mexico State. LSU's got UAB. Auburn has Western Kentucky. And Bama hosts Austin P. The SEC has always done this to give themselves another bye week before their big rivalry week or a tough opponent, right? Alabama always has a bye right before LSU and always has a bye right before Auburn. Seems pretty nice. Not yeah. saying that Bama isn't the best team in the country over the last decade. It would be silly to suggest otherwise. But it doesn't hurt at all whenever you get two buys before your two biggest opponents. Uh, I like this text. We will hold Deuce Vaughn to less than 50 yards. Our quarter like will it. stay home. And wait on him. It will happen. Hey, I, I, I don't have to tell anybody this. At least I don't think I have to. If OU holds Deuce Vaughn to less than 50 yards 
oh, you might win by 50 points. A little bit of an exaggeration, but you get the point there. OU well, will uh, easily cover the 13 if Deuce Vaughn's not a factor. Yeah, to that clearly very intelligent texter's uh, point, it's, um, yeah, we just held the one of the most productive running backs in the country to over 100 yards below his season He's average. He's a non-factor. Yeah. So, I mean, something to be said for it. I, I don't doubt it. Uh, and, and by the way, like Tulane showed us the blueprint. I think the blueprint was already there for shutting down this Kansas State team, but Tulane was really good up front on the defensive line. And this is the best I, best I felt about an OUD line in quite some time. So, yes, good defensive line play. That's going to stall any OU offense, but good defensive line play can really, really stall the Kansas State offense because they just don't have – a whole lot of other options outside Deuce Vaughn and Adrian Martinez in the run game. So, OU's good up front like they have been. They win that battle. They'll be uh, they'll be just fine defensively. Yeah, Adrian Martinez. Adrian Martinez. Just just looking at him. I mean, when when we talk about Dylan Gabriel, obviously we have different standards and everything. But going over to Adrian Martinez, he ranks 123rd in passing yards. 113th in touchdowns and QBR. That fancy ESPN stat. 100th. Jeez. Woof. Uh, Two more. So are we still rolling with OU to the SEC in 2023 and the schedule can be rearranged or are we waiting now? Um, Yes, I still believe OU to the SEC in 2023, and I guarantee you that schedule can be rearranged after that happens. Yeah, it can be. I'm I'm unfortunately leaning 2024 now um, just because – Alabama and Texas have to finish the back end of that. Um, I would love to be there in 2023, no doubt, but with the schedule going out today, sure, they could change. I don't think they would have released it had there been advanced talks to move it, but, yeah, I'm leaning 2024, although I'd like to see 2023. Is Tennessee the third-best SEC team? Uh, by the rankings they are right now, but defensively... Kentucky's uh, pretty good. Yeah, um, I I, uh, I might say Kentucky, actually. I, I've got some questions, some big questions about Tennessee's defense that need to be answered. I'll say Georgia 1, Bama 2, Kentucky 3, and hey, Arkansas, I, I know they did not look good last week against Missouri State. I still think Arkansas is a pretty good team, that, too, though. You got questions about Tennessee's defense, but Arkansas's defense that ranks. Well, I got question about Arkansas's defense, too. But I'm yes. just saying, just <laughs> like uh, if we're ranking teams against Tennessee, like I would throw Arkansas up there. Yeah, it's funny. I mean, maybe this is a scheduled, uh, scheduled text that says, Is Tennessee the third best SEC team? Because normally Teddy would be on in this slot, and Teddy would say, No, they're not. They're probably the first best SEC team. That is accurate. He probably would say that. He probably would say that. He loves him some Josh Heupel. 405-651-3439 is the Air Coverage Solutions text line. Talking more OU football next. Keep it locked on the ref. Yeah, I don't think the uh, Air Coverage Solutions text line is uh, over the Mike Gundy comment from last night. By the way, that was Kansas State head coach Chris Kleiman. He thinks his team's going to bounce back. But 
Uh, I thought it might still be the big story of the day. OU fans not ready to let go of what Gundy said last night. Maybe uh, maybe tomorrow we'll bring a new day and focus more on Kansas State. But uh, we got this text, Travis. It's like we have the winning lottery ticket and OSU is that annoying little cousin that just expects us to share the lottery with them. And they're pissed that we didn't. But you promised. No, that was Uncle Dave and he was drunk when he turned Uncle Burns that. <laughs> I love that. Uh, man, I, I love that we have funny textures. Um, when, I was, when I was filling in for Plank when he was out of town, I was on with Josh, I would, uh, I would often read the dad joke of the day from the end of Toby's show, and that was a lot of fun. But, uh, but no, as, as far as that goes, yeah, it's, here's the thing. It's not our fault that the SEC doesn't want you. Like, take a look in the mirror. Well, You're the reason the SEC doesn't want you. Well, I, and look, it's if the SEC called right now or the Big Ten called right now, are we really to think that they wouldn't jump and leave the rest of the Big Twelve at the opportunity to go there? If like, they didn't, it would they would have poor leadership. Yeah, like th- this thought that they would have never done the same thing OU did. Okay, well, either you're a liar or you're stupid. Which one would you rather be, a liar or stupid? Because if you don't do that, you're a moron. And I still don't believe, like, they would have done the exact same thing. Kind of like everyone else has, Travis. Everyone in college football, to my knowledge and to our knowledge, who's ever had a chance to go to a bigger and better conference to make more money has done exactly that. Go to a bigger and better conference to make more money. Yeah, and it's, again, this is, you can't fault us for going, but the crux of this entire argument is it's being treated like we're leaving, and we're now long. We're we're no longer a play, We're no longer allowed to play Oklahoma State in the non-conference. Like that's what bugs me. Is well, they're going to the SEC. Yeah, we can still play each other when we're in the SEC, just like we did forty-six times when we weren't in the same conference before. Just like we played Texas like a hundred times without being in the same conference. I mean, that's the problem. Is they're using. They're using it feels like it feels like a politician who takes a question about one thing and tries to make it about a, a different point that he's been trying to drive home. So it's like, hey, do you think you could schedule uh, Oklahoma in the non-conference? Well, they took the money and went behind our backs and negotiated with them, and we can't trust them. Like, no, uh, Mr. Uh, Coach Gundy, uh, I- I'm not sure you heard my question. My question wasn't about them moving to the SEC. The question was about them, um, you know, playing you in the non-conference going forward. We had nothing to do with those negotiations with them in the SEC. Like, dude, it's two separate questions. No hard feelings, though, right? No hard feelings. We should get over it. Said a few times. Shark says, uh, except for Colorado. Yeah, actually, it's funny that you say that, Shark, because I randomly have it on the – I randomly have it on ESPNU here in studio – and I'm watching the two teams shake hands, and Minnesota is beating uh, – or just beat Colorado 49-7. to um, I'm pretty convinced that Colorado is the worst Power 5 team in all of college football this year. Those guys are bad. Like, so bad that the AD has already had to put out a statement like, hey, we're 0-3, we got destroyed by TCU at home, at Air Force, and at Minnesota. Yeah, our bad on that. Sorry. Please continue to support us, even though we may not win a game this year. Yeah, it, I tell you what, I, I've been I've been tagged in multiple tweets, and now we're seeing it come across the text line. 
Colin Coward drinking the crimson and cream Kool-Aid. What's he saying? He says OU's the second-best team in the country behind Georgia. What? what? He... <laughs> no way. Call, like Colin that... Cowherd, we talk about the same guy? That's the guy. It, That's it, there, the guy. There wasn't a fill-in on the Colin Cowherd show. This is no, Cowherd no. who put OU at number two. Seriously. Yep I, yep, I don't know. There's always an angle with him. So, I think maybe – I think maybe – I haven't seen the segment yet because it happened when we were on air, but I haven't seen the segment. But what I'm guessing is – that he's using this to praise Lincoln Riley. He left a team in such good shape. Oh, yeah, that'll be the angle. That that they are the second-best team in the country despite losing all these. That's how good Lincoln Riley recruited. That's how good Lincoln Riley developed. Well, as, as uh, optimistic and as, as excited I was about the first three games and what they're doing defensively, I all of a sudden became incredibly nervous about the game on Saturday and the rest of the season. Right. The cowherd jinx. God. Old Bear, Bear, uh, you know, the uh, the gambling, Chris Falica, um, says that, you know, Kansas State lost to Arkansas State last time before they played, and they beat OU. So don't be surprised. Or do, do we have another upset brewing? That's what no. Bear's saying? Well, yeah, of course Bear's saying, because he picked yeah. the under on OU at eight and a half wins or the under at right. nine wins. Homeboy's already sweating his bed after a 3-0 and start, so of course he's touting that, that OU might get beat on Saturday. He needs some losses in there. <laughs> exactly. they, they, they got to start coming and coming in a hurry if they're if we're going to win, you know, under nine games. Golly. Cowherd really said that, though. That's got me freaked out now. I was feeling all good, middle of the week, getting ready for this game, feeling good about OU's chances, picked a 35-14 win on Saturday, and then now he's got to totally ruin my confidence. Jeez. Yeah, I'll have to. I'll have to watch that segment uh, when we go to break next time if I can find it. Um, yeah, I mean it's it'll be right here. It's a. Uh, I'll have to fast forward it. But yeah, I like I said, it's got to be a setup. He does have Clat on, and that's obviously why they were talking about it because um, Clat said some very nice things, which I didn't really trust him either after that because Clat got on there and was saying. <laughs> Well, you know, uh, Lincoln Riley, you know, he's you know, he's the real deal going out to USC. He's gonna have them in the playoff this year and Oklahoma's gonna take a step back and he had he had uh, in the like in his preseason polls he had USC at like ten and OU not ranked and this, that and the other. So seems like some of these national guys are uh, looking to be taken under the crimson wing. Dude, uh, like, where it's pretty nice. They're all groupthink as it is, and they were definitely groupthink on OU in the offseason. How about how quick, like how quickly they all kind of turned and started praising OU? It like it happened after the win against Nebraska on Saturday. All of a sudden, it seemed like everyone was, oh, well, maybe we were a little bit wrong about year one under Brent Venable. Stewie Mandel, Colin Cowherd, Joe Clatt, kind of seemingly everyone that doubted hey, this team this offseason. But you know what? And here's what's crap, man, is as much as they're praising them today, if they were to lose a game here in the next two to three weeks, oh, buddy, they'll turn right back to where they were back in July. Oh, yeah, but that it speaks to – the brilliance of Brent Venables and kind of what I spoke on earlier. They knew that first two games, nobody watches. I mean, sure, some people turned into UTEP, but the national people didn't get ESPN Plus to, to you know, so they could tune into Kent State versus Oklahoma. So 
Keep it vanilla, keep it vanilla, keep it vanilla, and then all these national people tuned in. Cool. Watch this. You know what I mean? Like that, like that Usher video. That watch this. I don't know who tweeted this out in the two one four, but it says no Cowherd and Lincoln are in a lovers' quarrel over the toilet seat being left up. Uh, that's funny. That made me laugh. I very much enjoyed that. Please keep those coming. Four zero five six five one thirty four thirty nine. Travis is uh, out and about at Eufaula today at the Flamingo Fish and Marine. We got anybody out on the water today? What's what's going on in Eufaula? Oh, surely uh, out on the water today. I've seen uh, one guy must have caught a, a decent amount of fish, came in and got some uh, knives so he could uh, do some fish cleaning. So apparently he had a productive morning. So he popped his head in and said, y'all talk about Bedlam yet? So, oh, sir, <laughs> yes, we have, sir. Yeah, yeah, we weren't going to go today. The text line would not allow us to get through today without talking about Bedlam. And uh, everyone had some strong opinions. And, for hey, for entertainment, if you need some entertainment tonight because we don't have any football on, just go to our uh, Twitter page, at uh, KREF Sports, and just read the responses to the Mike Gundy question there. Yeah, they're pretty entertaining. All right, a couple more segments remaining on The Rush. Keep it locked right here. It is The Ref. We're the Homo Sooner fans. OU in Kansas State, and hey, maybe it will be, but he says he doesn't think OU is as good of a team as they have been in years past. I I don't know, man. I feel like this team is better than last year's after three games. Uh, Maybe this team is even better than it was in 2020 after three games, so I'll disagree with Brady Quinn um, pretty significantly. I I I would definitely take this team right now over the past two recently, and they're much better defensively than they've been in a while. Yeah, which... We we don't even have to say right. I mean that's that's an understanding. I uh, I did dive into the uh, Colin Coward uh, uh, video, and you know he uh, he says you know he's he's always had Oklahoma's back. You know what he says. Oh my and, uh, god, gag! And says that he based on the eye test because his dad was an optometrist, so he knows his eye tests. Um, that Oklahoma's the the second best team. He did say. Well, you know, they got that defense that's better. They got the offense. Brent Venables has that defensive edge that Lincoln Riley uh, and, uh, you know, you know, he's got that defensive DNA. Like he 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 tried to say something about Lincoln Riley negative. And it's almost like the the cue card guy had a pistol in his other hand and said, don't you dare, Um, you know, so. Yeah, I think, uh, but he did say he goes well. You know, you know, he Bernie Venables inherited eleven wins, eleven wins, eleven wins, all this momentum, and uh, you know Lincoln Riley has to deal with a fire, tire fire. So, you know, those are all Lincoln's players there, anyways. And then Joel Klatt said, "Well, you know, no Lincoln's players followed Lincoln. You know, he's got he's got a bunch of transfers in Oklahoma." I was like. Yeah, I thought everyone left from OU's roster. Uh, he he didn't inherit an 11-win team, according to everyone. He inherited a roster that was pretty much gone because everyone left to USC, remember? That's what I was told. Huh. Interesting how the narrative is already starting to shift after just three games. I find it fascinating. Um, what's, what's OU's biggest advantage in this game on Saturday? Where's their biggest edge? Oh, man. Um, Biggest edge. I'm going to say Marvin Mims. I would say a specific, like, 
I, w- I would say a specific wide receivers position group, anything like that. Like, but I think it's Marvin Mims because I can double dip and say that him as a punt returner is also an edge. So not only is uh, Levy getting the ball to his best player in Marvin Mims, uh, but in the return game, he's been such a difference as well. So I'm going to say our, our our biggest advantage is just the one player, Marvin Mims. You are picking OU's best player as their biggest advantage is essentially what you're doing. All right, you're picking the best player. Low-hanging fruit, I know. I'm picking the best uh, position group as the biggest edge. I think OU's defensive line against Kansas State's offensive line is OU's biggest edge on Saturday. At least I hope. I mean, I saw Tulane play really good defense at this same Kansas State team. Held him to 336 total yards, 2 of 15 on third down, 1 of 5 on fourth down. So I think OU's defensive line, you know, maybe this isn't a game where you have seven, eight sacks or anything like that, but it's your chance to really control the tempo of the game and shut down their run game, which if you do, you put them in third and long, and maybe you do have a chance for a lot of sacks off the edge. But I I think that's OU's biggest edge, their D-line, because I think that's their best position group, man, top to bottom. Yeah, I'm no, it, it is it is fantastic. There's no doubt about it. And you've seen Ethan Downs was the is the second highest PFF ranked defensive lineman in the Big 12. Uh, Reggie Grimes, obviously one of the sack leaders in the country. When you get Isaiah Coe and Jeffrey Johnson in the middle, uh, it's really hard to run against them, and they can create a lot of havoc. Jalen Renman, you know, obviously throughout his career, he's looked healthy. He's been good. Jordan Kelly's been looking really good. Like. They're just deep, man. They've, they've got so much talent uh, along that defensive line, and you're seeing them get better with each game. It really helps when Ethan Downs puts WWE moves on ball carriers in the backfield. Excited yeah. to see that again this weekend. Yeah, I hope so. Well, as long as he doesn't get flagged for it, you know, because that, that one was pretty close. You it could, was close. You could feel the sideline say, no flag. All right, all right, good play, good play. Good play. Yeah, right. <laughs> I uh, during that break while you were watching Colin Cowherd, uh, I, I was kind of looking at this Clemson Wake Forest game, 11 a.m. on ABC, which we're going to get to watch that one. Number five Clemson at number 21 Wake Forest. Clemson's a seven-point favorite. If Wake Forest wins this game, Travis, it will snap uh, an NCAA record. Wake Forest has the NCAA record for the most consecutive losses against top ten opponents. Wake Forest has lost 62 straight games against AP top 10 teams. They've also lost 13 in a row against the Clemson Tigers. Uh, Needless to say, this would be a very large win for the Wake Forest Demon Deacons on their home field. Yeah, it would. But, hey, they've, they've got a better shot now than they've had in years past. There's no doubt about that. Yeah, I mean, with Sam Hartman back, who's yeah, had a this decent isn't the start same to the year. Wake Forest team. Yeah, and hey, maybe this is the game where Kay Klubnick finally gets to take over for that Clemson offense, which I'm sure most – that's got to be the big debate right now in Clemson, South Carolina, between the fans. Who's Who should be the quarterback at this point? Yeah, I mean, <laughs> people people remember uh, the Caleb chance and everything like that. We thought we, uh, we had a controversy here in Norman. It's bad when – national media media other media local media that's not even local to your school is saying yeah uh the backup's the guy uh it's it's pretty widely accepted we have some real uh storm fielding uh uh 
storm, uh, field storming potential on Saturday. Wake Forest will definitely do it if they beat Clemson. I think Oregon State will definitely do it if they beat USC at home. Uh, I think Texas Tech will definitely do it against Texas in Lubbock. Well, Texas Tech did it when they beat 25th ranked. Yeah, so so they, Texas, yeah, they definitely Texas will. Tech, well, Texas Tech probably rushed the field at the spring game. Heck, Iowa State might even do it against uh, Baylor at home in Ames. But are any of those storm fielding uh, actually going to happen? Field storms, if I can get it right. Jeez. I hope so. <laughs> uh, I hope so. But, yeah, I think, as weird as it sounds, I think Iowa State's got the best chance uh, out of those. I know I'm not I'm not crazy high on Iowa State, but it's simply due to I don't know what you get with Baylor right now. Baylor just doesn't seem they seem a bit out of sorts. Huge game for them, man. This is a massive game for Baylor. They maybe need maybe ba- bad. Dave Aranda's looking ahead to that Auburn job, or looking ahead to that Nebraska job, or who knows? Maybe looking ahead to that Carolina Panthers job. Well, he'll be able to get a uh, better job at the end of the year if he wants it. I don't know if he'll get a bigger payday. I think he's making a ton of money at Baylor, but if he wants yeah, out, he'll have an opportunity to. You'll have to wonder if this is a situation, because this, this will be the first year coaching change year where these big new TV contracts are hitting the Big Ten and then, of course, the SEC. And, you, you know, you get the OU Texas move, right? And you get the Big Ten move, and you think more stuff's coming on the way, but can Baylor keep up? I know Baylor's got money, but can Baylor keep up with, you know, a Big Ten school that's getting, you know, $100 million, or can they keep up with an SEC? That will be interesting. Watch Nebraska get turned down on, like, their uh, A, B, or uh, C options here. Like, imagine if I told you 22 years ago back in 2000, Hey, uh, in, in 22 years, Nebraska's going to try to hi- hire the Kansas coach, and the guy says no. And Nebraska's oh, also going to try to hire the Baylor coach, and he's going to say no, too. I, oh, I don't know if gosh. those two things are going to happen, but uh, big yikes. Big strikeouts for Nebraska, if that's the case. <laughs> hey, Nebraska's going to try to hire the Iowa State head coach, too, and he might say no. Oh, they're going to have to. What's Chad Morris doing these days? He's he's in high school somewhere, right? Uh, I think yeah. He's think not at Allen exact, anymore. Yeah, I don't know what he may not even be coaching at all this year. I have no idea what's going on. Sounds ready to take over the Huskers. Maybe he's uh, watching Chandler <laughs> Morris or something. I I don't, I don't even know. Uh, all right, we got one final segment coming up next. Air Comfort Solutions text line. Your final chance to hop in. 405-651-3439. Travis is hanging out today in Eufaula, Oklahoma, at Flamingo Fish and Marine. One final time, keep it locked right here. We are the ref.